This is Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. Every week, we review an episode of the cult classic time travel series and decide whether it holds up to present day viewing. And hopefully, we'll entertain you along the way. Be sure to check us out on our website, fwwquantumleappod.com, and also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Fate's Wide Wheel. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome back to Fate's Wide Wheel. Uh, we're here this time around to discuss Deliver Us from Evil. 79th oh, yes, we are. Of Quantum Leap. Uh, our director is Bob Holm. Uh, he also directed Running for Honor and Liberation, which is upcoming. Um, interesting thing about Bob Holm is he only has four credits on IMDb as a director, uh, and the other directing credit that he has is for Tequila and Benetti. So uh, <laughs> clearly okay. a, a, uh, a an alum, if you will, uh, of Don Belisario's productions. Now, the interesting thing that I will say is that those are literally his only four credits, period. And it almost got me wondering, because I couldn't find out any other information about him, if it was a pseudonym. If, if, if that... Oh, okay. if, if somebody else was in the director's chair, you know, or if, or if a combination of somebody's were in the director's chair, and that Bob, Bob Holm was a made-up name, you know, I know that that happens on occasion with directing and, and screenwriting credits, where, you know, somebody says, oh, take my name off of it, I don't want to be involved with that or something. I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. I want to... Yeah, I want to look into that and see yeah. what, what, yeah, what the story um, is with that. But that being said, uh, our writers are Robin Jill Bernheim um, and Tommy Thompson and Deborah Pratt. Now, it's credited as Robin Jill Bernheim and Tommy Thompson, ampersand, Deborah Pratt. Now, Dennis, as you had made this explicit before, I believe, on another episode, that this is done... Uh, specifically when you have uh, a script that is written by someone and then potentially major rewrites take place afterwards, almost to the point of of said script story being considerably enough different that someone else gets a credit for uh, that. So we can assume that in this case, Robin Jill Bernheim and Tommy Thompson collaborated on the script, that rewrites were done after the fact by Deborah Pratt to a degree that her name was then credited for the script. Actually, I think the way the way it's done, I think uh, Bernheim wrote the original script, and then Tommy Thompson and Deborah Pratt together worked on the rewrite. Because the the way I under, the way I understand it is like, and the word spelled out means that first person did the first write, and then someone came back later and did rewriting work. You the are, amp- of course, absolutely correct. The, amper- <laughs> the ampersand means they worked on the episode together. Yes. Um, so I wonder uh, if Bernheim did the original script and, like, was it rewritten because it was bad? I wonder if it was just, like, Tommy Thompson and Pratt being more familiar with the show, like, they needed to come in and, and tweak some things as far as, like, the mythology and character background. 
that, What's that could absolutely, yeah, that could absolutely be the case. Yeah, uh, it is worth noting that Robin Jill Bernheim um, would uh, also, at this point, have been responsible for *Leaping of the Shrew*. She'll go on to do *A Tale of Two Sweeties*, *Doctor Ruth*, and *Memphis Melody*. Um, she's worked on numerous television programs as a writer, producer, story editor. Um, *Crazy Like a Fox*, *MacGyver*, *Remington Steel*, Matt *Crazy Locke. Like a Fox*. That's right. <laughs> *Star Trek: The Next Generation*, *Star Trek: Voyager*. Um, she uh, most recently has been involved in uh, TV movies, Mystery 101, um, The Princess Switch, and its sequel, The Princess Switch, Switched Again. Uh, so she has, uh, she has quite a lengthy career uh, over, over 30 years uh, in, in television almost exclusively, um, and of course was credited as a producer on Quantum Leap in addition to uh, the writing credits. Um, this episode, uh, in addition to uh, um, Robin Jill Bernheim, of course, Tommy Thompson and Deborah Pratt are two stalwarts of uh, Quantum Leap. Um, we've got uh, Tommy Thompson, of course, going back uh, early on, not only as a producer, uh, but having written episodes, a uh, total of 13 episodes. Uh, this is his 11th out of 13. Uh, he started with Leaping In Without a Net, Leap of Faith, Miss Deep South, Future Boy, Southern Comforts, Heart of a Champion, Play Ball, Moments to Live, Nowhere to Run, Killing Time, uh, Deliver Us from Evil, Promised Land, and Blood Moon. Deborah Pratt's credits are just too lengthy to mention at this point, but know for a fact that she is responsible for some of the greatest moments in Quantum Leap history, including, of course, Color of Truth, So Help Me God, uh, to name but a few. Um, she, of course, also is the voice of Ziggy, the narrator, and played... Troyan in Portrait for Troyan. That's all I will say about that. Um, <laughs> she uh, she is, is just seriously responsible for some of the finest moments in the history of this show. She, uh, next up, will uh, take part in the writing of Trilogy Part 1, 2, and 3 uh, and finish up her run as a writer on the show with Revenge of the Evil Leaper. Mm. Uh, it's interesting this, to note, uh, Tommy Thompson was not proud of this episode. Uh, oh, interesting. Not, not proud of this episode, and he wasn't proud, proud of Blood Moon. Uh, he actually said, uh, reflecting back on it, that he may have been going through some personal stuff at the time. <laughs> huh. Blood Moon, how about that? And not, um, uh, the- <laughs> and not crazy about those episodes. Uh, I just want to throw that out as a preface before we dive into this episode, because I think we both sure. have some, some pretty strong feelings about about. Yeah. About this story. Our air date is November the 10th, 1992. That means that we've had two weeks since the last episode. Uh, I note that just because this episode in particular uh, got a lot of um, uh, marketing um, from from NBC. There was a push um, to to get eyes on this episode. Uh, Our leap date is March 19th, 1966, which is interesting to note because that is two months prior to our leap date for the previous episode. Yeah. Sam has leapt back into Jimmy LaMotta, and we are in Oakland, California. Dennis, hit us with the TV gag description. TV gag. Sam returns to the life of a mentally handicapped young man and comes in contact with another time traveler. Uh, Maybe it is worth noting that now mentally handicapped is not the proper nomenclature for someone who is now intellectually disabled. Um, I did not know that until... We had our episode discussing Jimmy, uh, the first time Sam leaps into Jimmy, and I said mentally handicapped the entire episode, and then I looked it up afterwards like, oh, oh, you know, oh, it just occurred to me, we should have gotten Chris Stewart on this episode. He guessed, 
He guessed it for Jimmy. Yeah, he was with his son Jimmy. Yeah. Um, You know, unfortunately, as everyone knows, we record in the midst of the, the coronavirus pandemic. You know, getting guests right now is difficult, so... <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, but you're right, we should have, yeah. yeah. Uh, in other countries, in Germany, it was known as the victory of good. Dear God, Germany. Spoiler alert, uh, France, the good and the bad. Okay. In Italy, uh, weird, Matt doesn't have the English translation. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Basically, it's. The, I think it's just... Italian for the evil leaper. Yeah, um, it is. And in promotional material for the show, uh, it was known as simply the evil leaper. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And like, yeah, like you pointed out, we're just two months before the previous episode, Starlight, Star Bright. Uh, more recently, uh, Sam was in November of 1965, twice in Double Identity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we covered, uh, you know, last week what the leap in looks like. Sam leaps into Jimmy. Jimmy's on a forklift. Up comes running Frank. We see some familiar faces. Sam is happy. We're all happy. We are back uh, for the first time, not counting Lee Harvey Oswald. Sam leaps into the same person twice. Uh, we get the comical little bit of... Uh, Sam being very happy to be back, and we get, uh, like, he says, I'm back. I'm back, Frank. And we get the role reversal of Frank saying, oh, boy, opening credits. And we are into, for now, looks like just a normal leap. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think when you divorce yourself from all of the Evil Leaper stuff, just for a moment, um, knowing that, unfortunately, it was marketed as such, knowing that it never gave the viewer a chance to breathe into this. Uh, if you if you just push that all to the side, there is such a wonderful moment of, wow, this is really cool. Like, I mean, I think you can say, even objectively, one of the sweetest episodes of, of Quantum Leap's history was Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a, you know, a wonderfully well done, touching episode, a, a touchstone episode, even of Quantum Leap, if you will, um, that that played with so many wonderful family dynamics, that gave us you know some sweet information about Al uh, and his background, that strengthened Sam's character in wonderful ways, um, that that we get a chance to go back, and I think that on one hand, if you look at it similarly to how you looked at the leap home, maybe this is a gift. Maybe this is God time fate or whoever saying like, here you go, Sam, you know, you loved these people. You did something great for these people. Spend a little more time with them. Take a break. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> we never got the chance to labor under that delusion, even as viewers in 1992, because it was set up from the get go that, you know, the evil leaper. Yeah. What, so. uh, you know what's funny? Like, think about, like, I don't... I honestly don't remember if I knew that this was going to be the episode where the evil leaper appeared. Okay. Uh, just because um, I knew an evil leaper episode was coming because at the beginning of the season, TV Guide 
uh, had done a big story on like what Quantum Leap was going to be doing this year. So I already knew, like before, like from reading that article, I knew that Sam was going to leap in Lee Harvey Oswald. I knew that Sam was going to be starting uh, merging minds with the people that he had leaped into, and I knew about the Evil Leaper. Uh, interesting enough, the TV Guide article kind of got it wrong, and. They suggested that the evil Leaper would have the power to make Sam start merging with his Leapy as like a weird mental... Yeah, uh, which they got wrong, obviously. Uh, But I honestly don't know if I remember like this was going to be the episode because as much as like I read TV Guide and everything, um, I didn't see a lot of like the, the television commercials leading up to any particular episode. Right. Um, Because I say that to say uh, Early on in the episode Like we have a scene between At first glance Looks like it's between Connie And her neighbor Yes And I don't remember ever watching that scene I don't remember watching that scene the first time And thinking that anything was off I, I, I I just thought it was The neighbor Yeah I mean I think that the I think that the thing the, the, the tip-off, uh, unfortunately, is that um, the some of the promotional materials that were released and some of the ads in TV Guide uh, showed uh, Renee Coleman, who plays Aaliyah, yeah. um, and, and I think it was easy enough to know that something was amiss, yeah. uh, in particular with Connie early on. Um mm-hmm. I mean, we'll get it. We'll get into that later. But, but yeah, I, I I just think that it would have been fun to to have not had the expectation going into this episode that there was going to be that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I, I will say that even with that knowledge, that foreknowledge, that it would have been easy to think that surely the secretary potentially was the evil leaper. Um, of course, there are or, you know there are things that happen later on in the episode that that immediately disqualify that because she has touched Jimmy very early on in the episode and, mm-hmm. and knowing what we know about the touch uh, sure. coming up later that, you know, it takes it away. But, but you know, all, all that aside, um, Frank, it's just so good to see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Diacchino is perfect. Yeah. I mean, he was perfect last time around. But the thing that's wonderful about his performance in this episode is that it's clear that he, as an actor, built on everything that was Jimmy and is now playing all of that and twisting it because of what has happened off screen previously to Sam leaping in. Because Mm -hmm. that's the other thing that's interesting about this episode is Aaliyah has already been there for a while. Yeah. It's... and I was going to ask you, how long do you think she's been there? Because they kind of set it up like she's Ooh. been there. She's been there a bit. Yeah, it seems like she's been there a while. It, it it seems as though, and I could be wrong about this, it seems as though we can infer that Aaliyah's leaps take place over a longer period of time than Sam's leaps. Yeah. That Aaliyah tends to kind of entrench herself in the environment that she's in uh, to accomplish her missions, whereas, you know, Sam obviously is usually there for a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely seems like she's been there for a while. I would say certainly a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, but yeah, everything you said about uh, John D. Aquino, he had... Uh, 
he's only in three episodes total. He's in this episode, he's in Jimmy, and of course he comes back again uh, uh, in the last episode. In Mirror, Mirror Image, yeah. In Mirror Image, yeah. But he had, before he was cast in Jimmy, he had auditioned for several episodes. Um, and landing the role of Frank was like, was like the one that he finally landed. Uh, he will end up, he will write a future episode. He will write The Beast Within uh, coming up. Um, so even though he doesn't show up in the series, like I felt like he felt like a personal connection with the show. Yeah. Uh, and he even did like some of the conventions and interviews afterwards right. after the fact. So yeah. Um, and has, and has, you know, and, and has worked on other television shows, uh, that, that Don Belisario produced. Um, he was in 11 episodes at, uh, in Jag playing the same character in all 11 episodes, Stuart Dunstan. Uh, he did an episode, uh, of NCIS, no NCIS, NCIS New Orleans, which is unfortunate. Um, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> it could still happen. It could, um, it could. lots, yeah. Lots of lots of uh, TV, um, you know, genre television appearances include Sliders, Xena, Lois and Clark, um, Sequest, uh, DSV. Of course, he played Lieutenant Benjamin Krieg um, for twenty four episodes. Oh, um, the first season before they tried to kidify it. Y- yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was, and you know, the funny thing is, is, I can remember watching the show as a kid. He was one of my favorite characters. He was early yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was also in the pilot episode. Of Nightmare Cafe. That's right. Playing a character called Al. Interesting. Yeah. Um, he did 11 episodes of the Dirty Dozen television sh- series, which I can mm. remember uh, my dad and I watching uh, when I was really young. I was only been like seven years old. Uh, and he had also done an episode of Magnum P.I. as well. Um, but yeah, John D'Aquino is just—he's just great, and 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 he's fantastic in this episode. He was great in Jimmy. Um, I just—I have to single him out because in an episode that it's easy to get dragged down with all the other stuff that's occurring in this episode and what that means for the mythology of Quantum Leap. His performance in this maintains a certain fidelity to the character of Frank Lamada that I would imagine could have potentially been difficult given the circumstances surrounding this episode. <laughs> Oh, absolutely! Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's great, and like uh, we'll get into it at the end of the episode. Just one of the more uh, weirdly uncomfortable scenes in the entire oh. series. Well, uh, yeah, one of the most unsettling scenes. Yeah, without yeah, a doubt. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, where 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 do we jump in? We've we've already jumped around a lot in this episode. Uh, I guess well, set up the stakes. So uh, we're introduced to Shirley, the secretary. From very early on, there is obviously some sexual tension between her and Frank. Uh, Shirley has taken somewhat of an interest in Jimmy, um, yep. but you can already kind of tell she has an ulterior motive to it. Yes. Uh, she cares about Jimmy because caring about Jimmy will get her closer to Frank. Right. Uh, Shirley is played by Kristen Cloak. Uh, I mentioned on our last episode uh, that Morgan Weiser played one of the lead roles in Space Above and Beyond. Kristen Cloak would actually play the other lead role, uh, arguably. I mean, it, it was it was kind of an ensemble show, but in my opinion, she and, and Morgan Weiser played the, the lead roles. Uh, she plays Captain Shane Vanson. Such a different kind of character from Shirley. Um, like, in Space Above and Beyond, she is a badass you know, for lack of a better word, and hate to use this term, strong female character, when yeah. 
those types of characters were not in abundant supply on television. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would encourage you to check out Space Above and Beyond uh, if, if you can. Uh, it's a great show, and she is fantastic in it. Um, but yeah, long career on film, uh, mostly television, but some film as well. Um, most recently uh, was actually in the reboot uh, well, not reboot, really, but continuation, if you will, of the X Files. Oh. Um, so uh, and she was also in an episode in 1996 uh, as well, uh, the field where I died, and then most recently was in uh, a 2018 episode playing uh, Wendy. Um, so she's yeah, she's uh, been around, done some really cool stuff. Uh, also was in the television program Millennium, um, which was another great, I think, kind of underrated show that's gotten lost among the shuffle of, of great. TV shows that get little comebacks here and there. Mm. Um, she was yeah. also in the pilot episode of A Man of a Certain Age. Well, I'll be damned. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, let's see. Yeah, we, we get that established early on. Um, she's definitely something different, too. You know, I think that that's another reason why if you came into this episode knowing that there was going to be an evil leaper involved, it would be easy to think that maybe she was the evil leaper because uh, she's a character that was not in Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she does seem to be coming on to Frank. Again, at first it, sure. she's doing it by way of Jimmy, but then it's a little bit more overt, like when she wipes the, the chocolate off of his, you know, uh, off his yeah. chin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go home. And, and we get to see Connie and Corey again. Yeah, and uh, the line, uh, women's lib had hit suburbia. Yeah, and TV so, dinners. So yeah, so they're all <laughs> eating TV dinners, and it's this funny thing of, uh, you know, it's funny, and I, I think th- think about it till just now. Like, we, we do have these moments in episodes where Sam compliments the home cooking, and he talks about how, oh, he just, like, if there's ever a home-cooked meal, like, how it reminds him of his mom's. Um, yeah. You know, in the actual deep home, we get that in Future Boy. We even had it, we didn't talk about it, but we even had it in the most previous episode of Starlight, Star Bright. Uh, yep. And so we get this reversal of not a home-cooked meal. We get a TV dinner. But it turns out Sam loves those, too. Man, he is guzzling the mashed potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Corey is not a fan. Corey is not a fan. Not, um, yeah. And in addition to the fact that this is not a home-cooked meal, uh, like we have seen Connie cook in Jimmy, uh, mm-hmm. in addition to that, there is a vibe around the table that something is amiss. You know, Corey seems a little down. There's definitely tension between Frank and Connie. However, Connie is very interested in Jimmy. Yeah. You know, uh, wants to know about the newspaper. And, um, you know, she's been giving him newspaper articles to read. Uh, Our sort of, uh, our nice little moment of history, if you will, in the prior scene is when Sam is talking about the Gemini mission and Neil Armstrong Mm -hmm. flying in the Gemini mission, which was his first trip into space. Uh, mentioning he's going to be a man on the moon and, you know, Frank poking fun at him for that. Uh, One thing we should mention, too, is that by this time, Al has already uh, appeared, and he has mentioned to Sam that Ziggy's freaked out uh, over Sam leaping into Jimmy again. Mm -hmm. We also get an interesting confirmation. It's a little ambiguous, but Al says explicitly, in over 80 leaps, this is the first time that you've ever... And... A, we know that that's not entirely true because there's been some, within episodes, there's been, like, internal leaps, like Lee Harvey Oswald, for instance, or or Double Identity, which is... Not not, canon, yeah. Right. Uh, uh, But 
it is interesting that he says over 80 leaps because that basically syncs us up with the fact that the televised leaps are the leaps. Yeah. It doesn't leave a lot of room for leaps between the leaps that we see on television. That's a good point. So I just thought that was interesting. That's a good point. Uh, we we should also have... point out, uh, it's never confirmed, like they never like spell it out in the episode. Sam is about a year and a half after he leaped into Jiminy originally. Jimmy yes. originally. Uh, Jimmy took place in October 64, and we are in uh, the spring of, of uh, where are we at? Yeah, we're in March 66. of 66. So yeah, we're just yeah. not even, we're not even a full two years. We're just a year and a half later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the dinner scene, it, it sets the stage nicely for the tension that's already existing in the family. Um, you know, the Frank that we get here and we know that he's going through some stuff but he is very much like exercising the you know male dominant husband of a previous generation vibe woman do your wifely duties and that includes cooking and cleaning and having sex with me yeah yeah yep uh, I, I don't have much more to add to that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the you know it's it's worth giving a shout out to the young actor Ryan McWhorter who plays Corey. Um, I love a lot of what he does in this scene. I think that that he um, actually, as the character of Corey, um, does a wonderful job. Um, you know, with that, the, the way that that tension can hang over a young person in the house. Um, and, and, and works well with, with Scott in particular in the scenes that they have together. Um, Laura Harrington is back, of course, as Connie. Um, I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to sound like a jerk for saying it, and, I'm, and I apologize. I just, I'm not articulate enough to do it a different way. Was she this bad in Jimmy? Because I feel like she's a weak link in this episode. I... Uh, I feel like she's put into a weird position. Um, That's fair. You know, as as an actor, y- you get brought back to reprise a role. You're going to blink out of existence, essentially, halfway through. Um, and you're not... And she's not playing Connie. She's playing somebody else. Right. She's playing somebody else as Connie... And this really, when I was watching the episode last night, it stuck out to me in the very scene where she where she morphs, where, where her identity is revealed as Aaliyah, is that there was no effort made for her performance to match Renee Coleman's performance. Absolutely not. Mannerisms, vocal inflections, no effort was made in that. Regard, um, not uh, maybe a little bit in the scene where it's just her and Zoe out at the clothesline, and you don't quite know what's going on yet. But even still, not really. Um, yeah, I just for some reason I, I don't know I, how much I don't know how much it, it it was the actor and how much of it was the lack of direction that's fair 
Because I just remember liking her in Jimmy. I remember liking everybody in Jimmy. And there's something about her in this episode that I just... It feels very forced and phoned in. And, 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 I, and I think you raise a very good point. And it's something that I wasn't considering. That as an actor, to be you know asked to come back to do uh, a show that you've done before... And to play a character that you've played before and to be excited about that, then only to be told that actually you're not really that character and you're only going to be in about the first half of the episode and then you're gone. Yeah. I could imagine that as an actor it would probably be a little frustrating, that it would probably be like, okay. I mean, I would like to think that some actors would look at that as a unique challenge and a fun thing to do, but maybe, yeah, maybe it was frustrating for her. I don't know. I just, there was something about uh, about it that I was surprised, because like I said, I remember liking her quite a lot in Jimmy, and then, and, and, and this is not a character thing, this is literally an actor thing, that as I'm watching this, you know, and trying to be, you know, somewhat objective or whatever, I'm watching this and I'm just not liking the actor, I'm not liking the acting, it wasn't like, you know oh, this is a terrible person character-wise. It's like, no, I'm just not liking this performance. Yeah, that didn't jump out at me. It also occurred to me in the latter half of the episode, re-watching it last night, you know, we've talked about a lot, like, they don't use... Quantum Leap never did the convention of, like, using the mirror image to actually act in some scenes where it would have been appropriate. So you see, like, other people's point of view. Like in Starlight, Star Bright, like we talked about, like, it would have been interesting to have the parents spying on the old man talking to himself instead of Scott Bakula talking to himself. It would have been interesting if they could have used uh, the actor playing Connie. Uh, what's her... It's Laura, Laura Harrington. Laura, yeah. To, to, to use Harrington, like, it would have been really powerful... Like when things take a turn for the worse in the latter part of the episode, to like show her face bloody and screaming and see Frank's point of view. Oh yeah, that's you know a what very I mean. Yeah, uh, that's a very good point. So like it, uh, it her performance doesn't bug me because I think she was put in a very weird position. That's fair. That's that. That's that's I, I like that point of view a lot. I like that point of view a lot. Actually, it makes me feel less like an asshole. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> That's, so, that's uh, what I'm here for, Sam. I really appreciate that. So anyway, um, we, we as, as the argument escalates between Frank and Connie, we get a really nice scene uh, between Corey and Sam out on the steps. You know, Corey obviously is having a hard time with all of this. It's here where we get the hints, I think, that, um, you know, that, that when it's revealed later on that, that Aaliyah is Connie, um, that we get the hint that this has been going on for a while. Um, because Corey's, you know, making comments that take us back in time a bit um, and, and kind of chart out some of what's led to the, the current situation. Sam is clearly a bit befuddled by all this. He doesn't really understand it because in his mind, like, things were, were left in a really nice place when he left out. Um, there's a, there's an this, interest- this is the last time we see Corey in this episode, isn't it? This I'll is. be damned. That's right, because he goes to spend the night at his friend's house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we get so we get this, uh, which is too bad because he was such a huge part of Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get this little moment that's kind of nice where um, Corey, uh, Sam, to cheer up Corey, says something about, "Hey, we should go watch the game." You know, you think the Giants are going to win the pennant this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone who's wondering, they didn't. <laughs> uh, in fact, the San Francisco Giants would finish second place, uh, right behind National League champs, the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, so, yeah, uh, unfortunately, Corey would not be able to to raise a fist in triumph with the San Francisco Giants. Um, 
the uh, there's also the cute little junk food moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, worth noting that junk food as a term had been used prior to 1966, but Al, you, you know, uh, pokes fun at Sam for for having increased Corey's vocabulary with such a wonderful term. Um, do we we also get? Uh, is this where Al tells us he's a vegetarian, or is that later? Uh, that's later on. Okay. Um, but we also get more uh, information as to what's happening at the project. Um, Dr. Beaks got shocked halfway across the room because Ziggy freaked out about everything that's going on, um, which is an an interesting visual. Uh, we get confirmation that something is changing the future here. Um, that something is happening and Al blames it all on Sam. Sam gets very defensive. It's like, all I did was eat a TV dinner. Um, and, but uh, but now Frank leaves Connie um, for Shirley. They don't know what happens to Corey. They can't find any information on him at all. Oh Jimmy gets God. committed. Um, Al has this wonderful line about how he's never cared about anyone that Sam has leapt into like he's cared about Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam has this wonderful moment where he remembers Trudy. We talked last episode with Starlight Star Bright about how sometimes references to other leaps um, or things in the past feel like throwaways. This one doesn't. When they mention Trudy and Al kind of recaps a little bit about Trudy and, and what happened to her, and you know, it's it's a really nice moment that lands in a really wonderful way, and also I think helps to raise the, the stakes a bit for this episode, much in the same way that her mention in Jimmy did as well. Um, so I, I thought that I thought the mention of Al's sister Trudy was was handled really well here. It was. God, the more we talk about this episode, the more I don't like it. Because right. I I think they they just totally violated one of the best episodes of the series by going back. And, and, and it's like, like, as we're talking, like me just realizing that the last thing we just talked about, Corey, that's the last thing he's in the episode. And they don't use him anymore. So here's the, here's the thing. When watching the episode, I did not feel that way. Before you and I started to talk about the episode, I felt that way. Now that you've said that, I don't necessarily not feel that way, but I will offer a quick counterpoint. And that counterpoint is, what better way to raise the stakes of the evil Leaper than to, in essence, fuck with one of the most beloved episodes of the entire series? They didn't do it well. (laughs) That's fair. And I'm going to make my case why. (laughs) As we go on. <laughs> All right. Um, so then we, um, moving on from this, um, Shirley calls, and Sam has answered the phone. Um, Connie and Frank have you know, still been fighting. Things are starting to cool off a little bit. They're going to watch the game. Corey's feeling a little bit better. He's got his ice cream sandwiches that he had left around since his birthday. Uh, his mom doesn't buy ice cream anymore, you know, yeah. that sort of stuff. So, um you just can't help but feel bad for Corey. But anyway, yeah. uh, Sam is the phone. This is the other thing, not to interrupt. The huh? reason why this episode is so damn lazy, they can't even tell you what happens to Corey. They, <laughs> to can, tell me, you what happened, they can tell you what happened to Frank and Connie and Shirley and what happens to Jimmy. Corey, we can't find anything on him. We can't find anything. You, you're just too damn lazy to write an ending for Corey. I guess for me, I felt like that, that was very ominous. Go ahead. But yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. No, I get what you're saying. I, I just took it as being kind of an ominous sign that, you know, that, that 
things did not end well for Corey. Yeah. Uh, that maybe he ran away, that, you know, whatever. But I agree that why not just say that? Why not, you know, why not say he ran away and was never to be heard from again or whatever? But I agree. Yeah. Um, so the phone call from Shirley sets up the fact that uh, she's moving. Um, she wants to talk to Frank. Um, you know, Frank's going to help her move. Uh, Frank is very, like, Frank gets that sort of young boy look on his face like the girl I like has called me on the phone and I'm excited to talk to her. Oh yeah. And it's so like, you can't help but feel like almost gut punched by it. Like, no Frank, no, uh, yeah. don't, yeah. don't fall for the pretty young secretary. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and obviously we get this, uh, element of Sam trying to prevent Frank from helping her mm-hmm. um, by, you know, insinuating himself into the situation. Frank is not having any of it. Sam wisely, and it's not the first time he uses this tactic, says, oh, well, then I'll just go ask Connie. I'll bet she'll let me come with you. <laughs> and Frank is like, no, 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 no. Don't ask Connie. It's going to be okay. It's, yeah. it's, it's really quite brilliant. <laughs> yeah, we to, uh, I think we touched on it very briefly. Uh, there's a feeling that maybe, like, Sam is kind of merging a little bit with Jimmy. Yes, at, right. at certain yes. points, and I feel like this is because I feel like this is this is something that Jimmy would do, right? Too, you know. Well, and, and early on in the episode, we definitely like his mannerisms, like physically, mm-hmm. the way that he is touching Frank, the way that he kind of reacts to Shirley when he first gets into the office. The way there is a very Jimmy esque vibe about him, which sure. is not too far off from what we got in the original episode, where it felt at times that Sam was as the term was coined in the last episode, Starlight Star Bright, psycho-synergizing with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Jimmy Jimmy definitely is coming through at a, at a couple of points in this episode. However, I would certainly argue that this might be about the last time that he comes through, and the rest of the episode is pretty much purely Sam. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, now, we didn't, you know what, let's, 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 go back real quick uh, and mention Zoe uh, played by Carolyn Seymour we've only seen her in that very first scene with Connie out in the laundry Um, but she makes quite the impression right off the bat Uh, I think if anyone wants to talk about the evil leaper stuff being terrible fine go right ahead but at least give Carolyn Seymour her due because she wrings every bit of anything out of Zoe that an actor could and does it well. Oh, I uh, think so. Go ahead. Yeah. She's, she's great, and she's someone with a very lengthy career in film, television, voiceovers, video games, cartoons, etc., etc. Uh, she's got Star Wars connections. She's got Star Trek connections. She's got uh, uh, Superman connections. She's got British television connections like Survivors and uh, Space 1999, all sorts of connections all over the place. Um, yeah, just just wonderful in this role, and, and, and I think a worthy addition to Quantum Leap, especially as sort of being the the opposite of Al, if you will. Oh, I think I mean, I think her and Renee Coleman, they do a fantastic job. My, my squibbles, quabbles, whatever, are entirely in the writing and how the characters were created. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, Carolyn Seymour is great. It's worth noting, she also appeared in A Portrait for Troyan. 
That's right. Yeah. Miss uh, yeah, Stoltz. Yeah. And we could do some deep fan wank about that. I think there is some fan wank out about there about our, our Miss Stoltz and, and Zoe the same. They're not. That would be a stretch. I don't know how you would get there. Right, right. But yeah. But, um, yeah, but yeah, watching the episode last night, I I remembered how little Zoe is actually in the in this episode. Right. But and how yet, but how much mileage she gets out of out of it. Yes. Yeah. He took the sentiment right out of my head. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um so Sam, uh, oddly enough, as Jimmy, seems to be doing most of the legwork with the moving when we get to the moving scene. Mm-hmm. Um we uh, we see him doing all the heavy lifting while Frank is you know flirting with Shirley mm-hmm. uh, and vice versa. Um, they want more time to themselves, so they're trying to get Sam to leave. He won't do it. Yeah. Eventually, using that same tactic that he used with the phone call, he says, "Oh, I'll just call Connie and she can come pick me up." Yeah. Uh, Frank's like, "No, no, 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 no! I'll take you home." Yeah. Um, the conversation between Sam and Frank and the truck ride back is a highlight of this episode. It is, it is. so well done. Yeah. Uh, once again, Diakino is fantastic. Bakula, as usual, is great. There is an exchange that really drove home a visceral quality of Sam's leaping that is never really touched upon, that is done in a really wonderful way, and that's when Frank says, there are certain things a man needs and you wouldn't understand, and Sam responds, yes, I would. God damn, that's good. Yes, because it's exactly what gets Sam in trouble later on. Well, that's true, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but it also it also exposes that fact that Sam's lonely, like mm-hmm. you know, physically lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's human, you know. And that 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 it's just yeah, it's a really really wonderful scene. Um, I thought it was I thought it was great. Um, back at the house. Uh, Frank drops Jimmy off, Sam, mm-hmm. in, in a huff, and leaves. Yeah. And now shit gets interesting. Yeah, so, ah, yeah. So uh, we get into a discussion with, with Connie and Sam, and it's, it's interesting how this, uh, how this scene is staged. They do, a, they do a thing that you see a lot when the actors don't have a lot of physical space to move in. They do a lot of crosses back and forth across the room and switching places that people don't do in real life when they're talking, but they do right, it right. in TV shows and stage plays to make it more dramatic. Um, and they're also kind of dancing around like almost touching, not touching, almost touching, not touching. And then we get to this. Uh, Connie morphs into Aaliyah. Then we get, you know, who are you? Who are you? And, yeah, we're off to the races. Things. So yeah, so we get uh, the 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 moment with the TV dinners is kind of uh, uh, funny. You know, Sam has to instruct her how to, to yeah. cook it properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that the interesting thing about that, of course, is the fact that uh, Aaliyah probably wouldn't really know exactly what she was no. doing. So yeah. it's a nice it's a nice tip in that respect. Um, and then, of course, after the touch, Laura Harrington. God Lover is gone, and Renee Coleman is now there as Aaliyah. Um, and right away, there is a sense of gravitas about her that is, you know, for lack of a better word, attractive as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something interesting about her. 
Um, not someone with a with a super lengthy career, for what it's worth. Um, she uh, uh, she totally shifted into dream interpretation. I beg your pardon. She uh, totally shifted careers into. I'm going to look her up here because I have looked her up before. Uh, like she runs like a uh, like a business interpreting other people's dreams. Um, she, she totally retired from acting, and she does uh, and she does that now. Let me see if I can pull up. Uh, um, if you look her up at ReneeColeman.net. Yeah, she released a book in 2012 titled Icons of a Dreaming Heart, The Art and Practice of Dream-Centered Living. Yeah. All right, then. So, yeah, she uh, she totally shifted gears. Uh, but she has said before in, in some interview somewhere along the way that uh, just talking about what it was, the, the experience of having such an intense makeout scene with Scott Bakula and how nervous Scott was because you know Scott's a married man, and they they do get pretty intense in that in oh, that yeah. scene. Yeah. Well, there was an extended cut of the scene that ended up not making air that that was even a little steamier, racier. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she uh, like you said, there was something immediately attractive to her. Um, it, it more so maybe for me when I was a kid because Renee Coleman just happened to look like the adult version of the girl in my class who I had a really big crush on <laughs> at the time. Like you imagine yeah. her all grown up. That's what she looked like. Uh, so yeah, even, even more so for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and let's face it. I mean, she is a physically attractive person as well, but there's something more uh, about her in general yeah. that, that lends itself well to this particular role. Um, and I, you know, obviously the way that, you know, Scott, the actor, processes all of this, and that we, what we see Sam go through in that moment is really great, too, and creates just a... Because here's the thing. Argue whatever you want to argue about the overall quality of the Evil Leaper episodes, of this episode, of the concept, whatever you want. This particular moment, for me, is pitch perfect. The identification that Sam has immediately of, of, of like, there's somebody else out there doing what I do, the elation that he feels, uh, it, it's fascinating. It's really, really well done. Um, and, and in my opinion, it's not the last really, really well done portion of this episode, but I think that this particular moment for the reveal works very well. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, My thoughts about the Evil Leaper and the entire concept and the way it's written aside, I think this next scene is one of my favorite scenes in the entire episode. Just for the comedy of it, of Zoe showing up, (laughs) Sam realizing that what's going on, that there's another hologram, and then her leaving, and then Al showing up, and their conversation almost exactly mirroring that. Yeah. Watching it last night, I really appreciated it, and... God, wouldn't it have been interesting if the other Leaper wasn't evil? Yeah, right? Wouldn't it have been interesting if they were just working the same thing just from different angles? I completely and they, and they, agree. And, and they ended up working together, and then throughout the rest of the series, like occasionally these characters cross paths. Or even better yet, let their objectives be against one another. 
let the objective be that Aaliyah is there to do this thing because she knows by doing this thing it prevents X, Y, Z from happening in the future. Let her be there. To, maybe, maybe her job is there to get Frank and Connie apart because she knows that they know or whatever that 30 years from now X happens and it happens because they're together. Like, let it be... Because- because they're from further in the future and they have more information about the long-term repercussions. Exactly. But by, but by, and we'll get into this a little bit more later because of the resolution of the episode, but by creating just a contrivance of this is the evil leaper, it, it immediately, in my opinion, sucks away any real interesting human drama from the situation and makes it purely this bad guy, good guy, you know, shootout at the OK Corral bullshit that unfortunately underscores, you know, the whole relationship and can't help but propel things forward from here in a manner that just feels so forced. Mm-hmm. And, 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 it, and I feel like it could have been much more interesting if, like you're saying, if it wasn't, if it wasn't that she was an evil leaper, that she was just another leaper. And that, and that their project, again, like you say, because it's further in the future, they have information that Sam's project doesn't have, that sometimes they come in conflict with each other, that maybe sometimes they would come in and they'd leap into situations where they would have to work together. Like, it could have created a really interesting tapestry for the show to work off of, and instead what it does is it sets up good guy, bad guy, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so let's jump ahead further along. So, um, uh, they, they, oh, they have the I, scene outs. Go ahead. I just I do want to say real quick I think it's interesting that we get the name of the computer uh, for the evil leaper which is Lothos um, which feels like a very evil sort of name um, yeah. we also get Zoe telling Aaliyah to tell Sam nothing um, about their uh, their project um, and 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 I think that you know right off the bat we're like yeah okay something something's you know wrong here mm-hmm. I mean. Uh... And I just have a really hard time, like, interpreting Aaliyah at this point, just because, like, if she is evil, she's not very good at it. And I guess that's part of my gripe. (laughs) Right. Well, I think that I will say that one of the things that I personally like, and maybe my opinion will change when we rewatch the episodes, I actually like the character's arc. Um, Mm -hmm. I agree. She's not necessarily evil. She ends up being more of a tool. I think the thing about the the thing that, that really kind of marks the difference between the two characters overall is that Aaliyah is purely a tool for these, you know, evil people's function in the future, whereas Sam is 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 kind of a tool for God time fate or whoever to do the right thing, to do the good thing, and yet at the same time he exerts a little bit more direct influence. You know, he happens to his leaps as opposed to his leaps happening to him when they're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I feel like with Aaliyah, it's, it's, she's happening to her leaps. Yes. But in a very deliberate, very mission oriented manner, Sam is a little yeah. bit more up to chance. Aaliyah is very much more directed. Like this is your mission. Should you choose to accept it? You have to accept it. Otherwise you go to hell. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also get Al's fun line about, I've got a bad feeling about this, Sam. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and he's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so of, maybe this is a good time to interject that, uh, Dean Stockwell did not like this no. whole enterprise. 
this whole yeah, idea he it was of this story. Yeah, it was all it was something stupid. that was pushed by the network, and he was not a fan of it at all. Yeah. And sometimes, knowing that, you can kind of see that bleed through a little bit in some of the scenes. Especially in the final scene. Yeah. Uh, and we, yeah, there's, there's more to that final scene, and we'll get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, so, so to move along, yeah, we get the scene where they kind of explain like the pro- their their own individual projects to each other, what Aaliyah can can remember or tell of of, of her side. Um, Sam tries to go get Frank from Shirley's. He can't get him to leave, and so he goes back to uh, he goes back home. He goes back to Aaliyah, and is basically like thinking out loud and saying, "Is like, well, I, I don't understand why I'm still here. Like if I'm failed, at least I could leap out of here and you could continue working with Jimmy and at least you could do some good. And, Oh, Oh, Aaliyah has plans. Aaliyah yeah. has some, Aaliyah has some sexy, sexy plans. So the thing about this is that I think that the comment that you just said about Aaliyah, not being, you know, good at being evil or whatever I think that Aaliyah has actually been playing Sam from the get-go. Okay. Like, I think she's I think she's a little awestruck at first, but I think she takes her mission seriously. I think she takes the orders that Zoe gives her seriously, and I think as soon as Zoe from the moment Zoe says tell him nothing and she leaves, I think pretty much everything after that, I think is just her like in you know t- evil time agent mode. Like I am going okay. to play the shit out of this guy. Because he has no idea. Okay. And I'm not saying that there's not a real connection between them. I'm not saying that she is not interested and intrigued by him. But I think that she is... Because because we get the strong sense that her very survival depends on her accomplishing her mission. That it is life or death for her. As opposed to Sam, it doesn't necessarily always feel that way for him. So for her, it's always life or death. So for her, she will do whatever it takes in order to make sure that she stays alive. And if part of that is to play Sam like a fiddle, that is what she will do. And she will use, as, as any good you know, agent in any situation will, she will use the fact that she's attracted to this guy, that she's interested by this guy, that she's grateful to have somebody else who's experiencing what she's experiencing in some way. She uses all of that as a part of her endgame and ends up seducing him, gets him into bed, things... Because Sam's the Boy Scout, things start to turn a little bit. Where does she do after that? Once Frank shows up, she goes straight for the end game, which is Jimmy raped me or tried to rape me. She rips her her uh, her slip. She scratches her face, leaves this you know claw mark of blood down her face. Frank rushes into the room. I think I think she played him like a fiddle. That's fair. I think I've always kind of interpreted it as maybe playing him a little bit, but also still like still like awestruck by him and uh, to be crude, like her wanting to get some. Yeah. Um, and, and her like in some way, like being able to let her guard down a little bit. But then as soon as Frank comes home, she sees her opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. 
uh, yeah, I think it's just one of those cases of like any great lie has a kernel of truth. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I think for her, this whole manipulation, this whole game that she's playing with him, that mm-hmm. again, there, there's, there's got to be that element of, of truth to it. And the, and the truth is, is that she's attracted to him, not only because she's physically attracted to him, but also because of, you know, the, the fact that they share this common bond. Yeah. Um, and, but she uses that to propel herself forward. Sure. Um, you know, I think we get enough of a, uh, uh, nugget of, uh, uh, about how, what she's gone through in the past dropped that most likely uh, in a lot of her leaps she's required to either kill or sleep with someone mm-hmm. um, y- you know so I think for her y- you know having sex with somebody that she's you know she's leapt into having sex with somebody that, that is around them or something is probably nothing new for her as, mm-hmm. as a leaper I don't know yeah um, so yeah. when, so when we were Frank. watching the episode last night, uh, Betsy, I never made Betsy, I never made Betsy watch this episode before. So I didn't tell her that this was the Evil Leaper episode. Uh, okay. She had seen Jimmy, so she remembered that. Um, she was kind of taken a little bit by surprise by by the turn, but she was only like half watching. Uh, she is firmly in the camp, even before she realized that Aaliyah was going to turn evil. She was firmly in the camp that Sam and Aaliyah getting it on as Jimmy and Connie was weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that 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 violated some sort of time traveler code code. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, I, I agree. And I have to agree. Yeah, I have to agree a little bit. Watching that scene last night, like even like discounting the evil thing, there was very much like a. Uh, uh, High schooler, I, I don't know how to put it. Uh, yeah. yeah, high school kids, high school kids doing what they weren't supposed to be doing, kind of feel. I don't know. That's not describing it very well. Um, but yeah, but Aaliyah is evil, and her, like that look that she gets on her face, and her ripping her, her slip and running her fingernails down her face. That is one of the, uh, more genuinely chilling moments of the entire series. Yeah. Um, all my other thoughts aside about the entire concept. Yes. That's a, that's a a really good moment. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. Um, I think that, uh, that it's it's visually striking that within the course of, of Quantum Leap as a whole, it's something very different. Um, y- you know, for for as much shit as I just blew it about, you know, having the, this good bad guy sort of dynamic, and and how it, it kind of deflates a little bit of it. Uh, the how interesting you might be able to make it. Um, I do think that in this particular instance, it's played you know to to a chilling degree of perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, that the the turn is handled well. Um, and, and now we know that a different kind of shit is about to hit the fan. And when Frank comes in, you know, the kind of the interesting thing about this is that I immediately kind of thought that how interesting is it that by pretending that Jimmy has attempted to rape her, that she brings Frank closer to Connie than he has been in a long time by, in essence, by going through with this deception to what would ruin Frank and Jimmy's relationship, she may have actually saved Frank and Connie's relationship in a really twisted way. 
but that it's that that instance of like this traumatic situation drawing two people together. The, the sensitivity and care that he shows Connie in that moment is unlike anything we've seen the whole episode. Uh, that's a great point. Um, like, I don't think Frank is rushing out of the house to go back to Shirley anytime soon after this. No, no. Because I, I really think, because they, they never they never explain it, but I really think what ends up happening is that Sam does get through to Jimmy, or Sam does get through to Frank. It just mm-hmm. took a little bit. Sure. You know, uh, maybe him and Shirley started messing around and he started feeling guilty, thinking about what Sam, as Jimmy had said, and he decided to, you know, to come back. Yeah, to do the right thing and to come home. Um, yes, your point well taken. I'm just wondering, like, what happens when Connie leaps back? Oh, sure. Uh and at that end, what do the leapies of the Lothos project? What do they experience in their version of the way their, the holding chamber? I think they call it in the next episode. What yeah. is it? What is their experience in the holding chamber? Are they traumatized when they come back? You know, right? Uh, yeah, I I don't know. We could wank about that all day. We could, but uh, uh, but, the, but the scene between Sam and Frank is genuinely upsetting. Like it's like the way oh Frank responds, hitting him, and Sam like pulling his fist back, like almost hitting back, and Al showing back up and saying, "No, don't do it." He doesn't know what he's doing. Um, Frank grabbing Sam and like, "Look at her! Look at her! Would she make this up?" That entire scene is is unsettling. It is very unsettling. Yeah, it's an, it's definitely the note that I that I took. Uh, Frank's beating of Jimmy is unsettling. Um, yeah, and it, and it furthers you know what we've been saying about John Diacchino the whole time is that he's just he's just note for note perfect. That that his you know his explosion here feels incredibly well motivated. It feels real and honest, and I think that's the reason why it feels so unsettling is that it, it feels so real and so visceral. Um, you know, he's, he's just such a, he, he presents us such a wonderfully multi-layered performance between Jimmy and this episode, both uh, of Frank, um, that, you know, that, that the visceral location that this comes from, um, man, it is, it, 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 it cuts right to the quick. There's no doubt about it. Um, and it, and you know, and the other thing is too, is like, he goes from beating on his brother, uh, to checking back on Connie, to listening to Connie as Aaliyah, obviously, mm-hmm. to to then going back to beating him some more, mm-hmm. to then leaving the room and locking Jimmy in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene this that they... T- go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, this <laughs> kind of touches on, and, and I, I brought this up when we talked about Jimmy, the episode, mm-hmm. is that... Yeah. Frank does have the it's very realistic but he he has the very unsettling thing of like as much as he talks about how he loves his brother and how much he wants to get him integrated into society yeah some he treats him in a dehumanizing way oftentimes too yes um and I think it really drives it home when the last we see of him he turns back to to Connie, Aaliyah, and says, if he touches you again, I'll kill him. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and and you know, Aaliyah twists the knife even further because this 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 betrayal, which I think a confused, conflicted Frank accepts because the physical evidence, if you will, is right there in front of him uh, as well. But that he accepts it all. That 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 knife of betrayal gets twisted even further by Aaliyah telling him that this isn't the first time something like this has happened. You know mm-hmm. that 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 she kept it from Frank because she believed that he would be moving out soon, and so she didn't want. To, to sour Frank's point of view on Jimmy. I mean, that's the thing. Like I said, Aaliyah is, she knows what she's doing. She's good. Yeah, she's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and then, and then um, why does Frank leave? Uh, he's uh, At Aaliyah's urging, he's going to get Jimmy's doctor. Because, that's right, that's right. That's what because, I thought. Okay. Uh, because Aaliyah thinks it's, because Connie thinks it's important for Jimmy's doctor to see Jimmy in this state. Right, right. Um, because, as also it's worth noting, that Sam attempted to tell Frank that that's not Connie, that that's, you know, someone else. So, Three yeah. episodes in a row we have Sam revealing yeah. his true identity. Right? Two by um, choice. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and again, you have Al in the room as well, you know, telling Sam he can't hit him back, all this sort of stuff. So that scene in particular is, is again, it's really well done. Uh, it's one of the most uncomfortable scenes in the, in the history of the show, you know, for my money. Um, and then things get even more twisted. But unfortunately, in my opinion, this is where the episode really just pulls the rug out from underneath all the good stuff that has come before. Because Zoe comes back and tells Aaliyah that in order to accomplish her mission, she has to kill Sam. Because Sam is out there changing all the things for better. I mean, she doesn't explicitly say this, but, but, but that yeah. Lothos, Lothos says he needs to die. Yeah. That there's a gun in the closet. She needs to go get it and shoot Sam. So she goes, she gets the gun. She unlocks the door. Uh, she points the gun at Sam. She's going to shoot Sam. Uh all of a sudden Sam I mean I'm sorry this makes no sense no it doesn't Sam says this, this is this, this episode me, yeah yeah it's like if you kill me you you die too you know good needs evil evil needs good all this stupid bullshit now the question is it's like does Sam actually believe this now the way that the episode plays it it feels like Sam is stating believes fact. it yeah if it if Sam was just trying a tactic here I might swallow it a little easier, but it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. We do get some wonderful stuff from Carolyn Seymour as Zoe, where she's like pleading with Aaliyah that you have to do this. It's the only way you'll get to come home, which is great. Dangling that carrot in front of Aaliyah, which mm-hmm. we know is something that Sam has wanted for so long. And yeah. then she also gives this really great glimpse into the evil project about, you know, we clawed our way out of hell. We had all these simple assignments now where we're just adultery and breaking up, you know, home wrecking, all this sort of stuff. We don't have to kill anybody. You don't have to murder anybody. Just kill one more person and then it'll be over with. Yeah. You know, that's the thing, too. We know Aaliyah's a killer. Aaliyah's yeah. killed people. Mm-hmm. So, like, she's had all these horrible, terrible, hard assignments. What if one of her assignments was to leap into Lee Harvey Oswald on November 22nd, 1963? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> like there's there's just there's some nice texture that's added, but again, I just feel like the resolution is just shit. Yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, I always found that whole the whole that whole evil leaper project, the the whole idea of like everything you said, like we clawed our way out of hell. I always had a hard time buying it until when I was rewatching the episode last night, as Zoe was saying all those things. All I could think of was the good place. 
<laughs> and, nice. and and the demons whose job yeah. it actually is uh, to torture people. Well, there is an implicit there is an implicit moment here where it it, it is implied that, that they are yeah they're working for Satan. They are literally yeah. working for Satan. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's just I don't want that. I don't want that. Yeah. It's yes. Um very heavily implied. Some good things about the scene I do I do like when Sam asks Zoe or Aaliyah if he if she's gonna kill him and she says you're not the first person that I've killed. Mm-hmm. I do find that moment a little bit chilling. Um yep. and to me it, it kind of touches on the fact of like Sam's a good guy. Sam had never killed anybody before leaping, but he's killed several people. Right. Um, yeah. And it kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, I do I do like uh, Al's line of uh, when Aaliyah asks if Al is there and he says, you bet your sweet ass I am, sweetheart. I do yeah. like that. But it's like we kind of touched on it earlier. You can kind of tell Dean Stockwell's heart is not in this scene. Yeah. Um, and this is uh, – it, it's floating somewhere out on, on YouTube. Uh, I didn't look it up, but I know it's out there somewhere. There is an extended version of this scene. Yes. Where Aaliyah, she says she can't do it. She drops a gun. Sam gets the gun out of her hand. And then the scene goes on. And it kind of comes like this weird reversal of Al telling Sam that Ziggy says you have to kill her. Yeah. And Sam saying he can't do it. And then we get to the point where we catch up in the episode where... Aaliyah and Zoe do this weird morphy leapy thing and then Sam leaps to two days before. Yeah. Now, I will say that there is a moment, uh, there are a couple of moments actually within this scene where amidst all of the crap, quite frankly, that the real genuine connection between Sam and Aaliyah is is, uh, done very well. The, The idea that, uh, they're the only two people in history ever anywhere in the universe that have experienced what they've experienced. They're the only ones that know what it's like to have to do this, um, that, that they have a connection. And I think that that is played well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it, it kind of gets paid off, um, later on down the road. Um, because I still maintain that one of the nice things to come out of the whole evil leaper situation is the relationship between Sam and Nalia. Um, Here's where we dive into deep fan wank territory. Uh, is it just purely coincidental that Aaliyah's name is A L I? That it's Al. basically a feminized version of Al. Yep, I I had that thought for the first time myself. Yeah, it almost made me wonder if what if the Evil Leaper project is just Project Quantum Leap in the future. 20 years down the road or whatever and what if Aaliyah is actually one of Al's daughters that he has with Beth and that something somewhere along the way has gone completely off the rails and wrong and caused the project to take a bent for you know the evil if you will yeah uh, well, I don't it's know all, so- it also just occurred to me that that Aaliyah's hologram is Zoe yeah, yeah which is not far removed from Ziggy right Jesus Christ <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, but here, um, and, and here's and here is why 
ultimately, I do not like this episode, and I didn't even like this episode when I was... I love the idea of the evil leaper. I, I don't know if I hated the episode. I hate this episode's ending, because this episode has no teeth. They don't know how to end the episode other than to just have Sam leap... Not just Sam, but Al. Sam and Al leap two days back in time, and basically... Ziggy telling Sam and Al that what we have just seen never happened. Yeah. They hit the old giant Star Trek reset button. Yes. <laughs> they they shit all over one of the most beloved episodes of the series. They don't know how to end it. They have written themselves into a corner. And so, like you said, they just hit the Star Trek reset button and we just pretend like none of this ever happened. Yeah. To two days yeah. before, and which we've already established, Aaliyah had been there longer for two days. I've always interpreted it as not only not only was this situation undone, but all of Aaliyah's leaps had been undone. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. That is the problem. The problem is, is that we never really get any resolution for that. That it is that that that, that the, the point of the episode is to take a beloved situation that fans of the show would be familiar with um, and twist it, turn it on its ear, and then inject this dark side to Quantum Leap, this, this polar opposite that Sam can now have a tangible, you know, villain out there. Yeah. And yet do it in, in, in an interesting enough manner that Aaliyah does not represent pure evil, that there might be something redeemable about her. Because let's face it, what's more interesting than a bad guy than a bad guy that could potentially be a good guy? You know, like, I, I, I get it. And a bad it. guy who could potentially be a good guy who's a woman who is very attractive and you have sexual tension with. <laughs> totally. Yes, absolutely. Like this, it's clear that it's clear that some network person was sitting around saying like, here's, here's our checklist for what we need. Sure. Now go put it into your show. Um, but unfortunately for whatever reason, there is not a satisfactory resolution to this episode. And even though we know that the evil leaper comes back in two more episodes, we still, in spite of having two follow-up episodes to this episode, get no satisfactory resolution to what happened in this specific episode. No. And that is unfortunate. Yeah. So. And we get the very soap opera uh, ending of, she's not gone, Al. Yeah. Aaliyah is not gone. Yeah. And, but, you know, I guess I will say we get a good setup mm-hmm. in so much as where is she? What's where, what's next for her? You know, when is she? Um, I believe it's never explicitly stated in the two follow up episodes, but we'll get there. But I believe that it's hinted at that the project that Leah works for is, you know, 20, 30 years in the future of Project Quantum Leap. I so think she's it- like 2020. Yeah, it's never said on screen, but I think in a script somewhere it had been yeah. hinted at. Yeah, somewhere around like 2020. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, look, it's like we've said for a while now, we are in we are in season five territory. Like this is season <laughs> yeah. five. Um, so, OK, we didn't really do this for Starlight Star Bright, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we usually kind of talk about what other people rate episodes so i'm just going to go back real quick for starlight star bright it's worth noting that you know most people thought it was 
pretty good, average, not excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, uh, our our friend over at uh, um, the MacGyver Project blog, um, you know, ranked it kind of like middle of the pack. Um, you know, he liked he, he liked some stuff with it. Um, he he liked you know Sam's interest in UFOs, etc., stuff like that. Um, you know, he thought it was good, but nothing nothing spectacular. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the notes for Deliver Us From Evil, however, um, I think are across the board when it comes to, um, what fans think. Uh, on the MacGyver Project, he ranked it pretty high. He thought that this was pretty epic and masterfully crafted. Um, you know, uh, Matt, for what it's worth, Matt Dale in, in Beyond the Mirror Image, he would agree with our friend at the MacGyver Project, he thought it was fantastic, a brilliant episode, um, thought that it set the stage for some interesting things. Now, he does give it the caveat of, over in the UK, they had no idea that this was coming. There was no promotional materials for it, it was mm-hmm. not spoiled like it was in TV Guide, it was not, like, this kind of came out of nowhere. And it, and it reinforces the fact that for a fan that was watching this episode with no knowledge, foreknowledge of what was about to happen, that it might have hit, it might have landed better. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, one of the things that our, our friend over the MacGyver Project does say is that he, he says that uh, it's not necessarily a fun episode to watch, that it's pretty heavy, um, which I would certainly agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, over at Al's Place, it's, you know, m- most of the audience, 56% say excellent, um, but there are, you know, there are about 16, 20% of fans that, that rank it below average um, for whatever it's worth. Uh, it, it is. It's a divisive episode. Um, I, I think I come out of it liking it in some ways, but also frustratingly seeing how it potentially could have been done better, or even worse, as a fan watching the show and just feeling let down that A, they chose to fuck with Jimmy, and B, that then they didn't give us a really a full resolution? And I, uh, I think I loved this episode when I was a kid. And like I said, I, I, I think Renee Coleman and Carolyn Seymour, they do great uh, in the roles. To me, what totally undercut the entire thing was how they chose to end the episode. Um by undoing everything, it's like, oh, you, you, you had, you really didn't know what to do with the story. You had no idea. So when you got to the end of it, you know, yeah. I would have, I, I think, and this is my forty-year-old, uh, much darker sensibility talking more than my kid sensibility. I, I would have preferred it if they, they really fucked up the Labada's lives mm-hmm. at the end, where Sam may have defeated the evil Leaper, but some lives are fucked now. Yeah, you know, at least then the story would have had balls and it would have had stakes, but now it's just nothing. Yeah, and I, you know, certainly there is an aspect of the fact that 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 doesn't happen that comforts me. You know, that the fact that you know the the, the I guess the, the the thing that makes the thing that undercuts it is the fact that it's not it's not as a result of anything that Sam did. It's not like. It's not like he somehow gets thrown back into the past and gets to change one thing that Aaliyah started down the path, uh, you know, like that, that, that started Frank down the path towards adultery or whatever. It's not, it's, a, it's, it's literally all we get is, for whatever stupid reason, Sam's two days in the past and everything's okay now. Yeah. 
and 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 it would have been different if and I get it, time constraints, etc. But it would have been more satisfying had Sam gone back in time and been able to effectively change one thing, even if it was a little thing that just like what if like for instance, what if Sam leaps back? What's going on? Why am I here? Frank is getting ready to walk out the door. And let's say he hasn't kissed Connie goodbye. And let's say Sam just turns to Frank and says, what, you're not going to kiss Connie goodbye? And that one little thing of Frank going back in to kiss Connie goodbye is enough to, like, set them down the path. Sure. You know, towards reconciliation or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. something that went beyond just like, oh, well, reset. Everything's okay now. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the thing. The last five minutes or so of this episode really do erase a lot of the great stuff that comes before. Mm-hmm. And it does leave you kind of scratching your head like, why mess with such an idyllic, beautiful episode like Jimmy in order to do this? Mm-hmm. And on, on one hand, the counterpoint to that, I think, is it has more of an impact because it's such a beloved episode. Mm-hmm. I stand by that comment. I think that that is true. But I think that it doesn't quite have the impact that it could because, like you said, it doesn't leave anything lasting. Um, I don't know. It's, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Really and also, I didn't really think about it until watching the episode last night. We get to the end of the episode, and Sam just hasn't lost two days. Al has lost two days. Right. And so, like, so does Ziggy have no memory of this? What happens when we get... <laughs> because, as I recall, we'll, we'll get there in a couple episodes, but Ziggy remembers the Evil Leaper project when we get to Revenge of the Evil Leaper. Yeah. They just didn't know what the hell they were doing. No, and, you know, and again, I would argue that that, that if that's not all of their fault. You know, I think, like Dean Stockwell said, that this was a network idea, that it was... You know, and, 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 and I get it. And the thing is, is again, it doesn't, like, I don't hate it. I think one of the cool things about, like, Journeyman is that show, it's set up kind of having a conflicting fellow time travel character that wasn't a bad guy. If anything, was actually a, a former love interest of the main character on the show, but that it was clear that they were kind of, like, operating on different, you know, missions, if you will. So I, I think that. If wishes were fishes, whatever. The idea that if Aaliyah was not evil, if it was not the evil Leaper, if it was just another Leaper that maybe on occasion had conflicting missions with Sam, it could have been infinitely more interesting than what we got. Absolutely. And I never thought about it before, but, yeah, if you have a time traveler from further in the future with more information about the long-term repercussions... Right? That's a really, that's a really interesting angle. And, uh, yeah, especially because the cool thing is, too, is then it creates this, like, seed of doubt for Sam. Like, now Sam leaps into a new situation without Aaliyah there. Like, yeah. let's just say that they brought, that they would bring, you know, Aaliyah in maybe, you know, for six or seven episodes a season, let's yeah. say. Okay? So for the other 16 episodes, you've now created the seed of doubt that Sam leaps in, and Al's giving him a mission, and Sam has a moment like, are you sure? Are you sure that this is what I'm supposed to be doing? Because what if it's not? Yeah. You know, and, and like that would have created an interesting thread of tension and conflict because now Sam is unsure of what he's doing. Um, yeah. It, whatever. Look. Yeah. It's the episode so, we got. 
Yeah, it is. So it's it's uh, a cool thing in a way, but yeah, it's a cool. And, and this will bring around. Uh, we forgot to uh, at the end of last episode, we talked about how we were going to bring up uh, best Corey. She commented on our yes. uh, 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 killing time episode, our post on Facebook. Uh, I came back around. She she shared some of her her thoughts on episode Killing Time herself, which I won't reread. Go check us out on our Facebook page if you haven't. Uh, Face Wide Wheel on Facebook. Uh, but she asked us if uh, either one of us had watched Timeless. Did you ever watch? Oh, that's right. Episode? Yeah, I did not. I know you did, but I unfortunately I, did not. I've been meaning uh, to 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 go back and watch it because I I was underwhelmed initially by what I heard about it, but then I heard good mm-hmm. stuff towards the end. I I watched the first few episodes and I was underwhelmed by it. Uh, and we've talked about this before. I can't remember if we talked about it on mic. Why I was underwhelmed about it is that almost like right out of the gate, the characters bickered with each other all the time. And I just, I have, I, I don't care about your interpersonal issues until I like you. Uh, so <laughs> them, them bickering all the time right out of the gate. Uh, but to tie it back around to this episode and everything that we were just talking about, one really interesting thing that I liked is that the person that they had set up as like the primary good guy or, or good woman, there are four time travelers, but they really set up like one of the four time travelers as kind of like the main character out of the four. They set her and the villain of the series yeah. up with each other, but the villain comes to her and says, you don't like me now but we're going to be on the same side in the future. Here's a journal where I can prove it. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting that you set up these two characters who are at odds at each other, but you know, at some point in the future, they're going to be on the same side. Yeah. It would have been interesting if they had found some kind of way to do that with Sam and Aaliyah. Yeah, you know, and it's been so long since I watched them, you know, I remember certain things, I certainly remember how it all ends, but um, I, I I am interested to see the next two Evil Leaper episodes, if for no other reason than to see, this sounds horrible, but to see the further missed opportunities, <laughs> because I agree with what you're saying. I think that the character is set up in such a way, especially at the end of this episode, um that it would have been so interesting to see the two of them working together. And if I remember correctly, when we finally see them get the opportunity to work together, it is much more Sam rescuing the damsel in distress than it is two proactive time-traveling heroes working together. And that sucks. Well, to, to jump ahead, because I know you said you don't remember much of it, they they go even further with losing an opportunity. The second part of, of those two episodes, Aaliyah is not even really herself because Sam hypnotizes her to suppress her personality so that the evil Libra, so that the evil Leaper project can't find her. Can't find her, that's right, I do remember that. Yeah. And they're in a women's prison, which is also interesting because it means that Sam is a woman. Yes. Yeah. Ah, God. Yeah, see, and this is is the struggle with season five, because Mm -hmm. season five has some really good ideas. Season five has some really indelible, wonderful moments in in the history of Quantum Leap, but overall, it just feels frustrating 
because you know what it is? It's this. It's the idea that they were on cruise control for a couple of seasons, basically knowing what they could do, doing it well, having some yep. fun here and there. They were locked in, blah blah blah. And now we're getting to a point where they're trying new things, but they were so goddamn comfortable with what they were doing before that they don't know how to find that new thing to do. They don't know what to do with it when they do find it, and they don't know how to capitalize on it and further it because they've got a network telling them that they have to do other things that the, what they want to do. Exactly. But we still love you, Quantum Link. We love you. We love you. We're here Warts talking about and you. Warts all. Yeah. 30 That's years right. later. We're talking about you 30 years later. Yeah. You left a mark on our hearts. Yeah. Uh, and so we get to the leap out. So Sam, uh, we've had this set up before. Sam leaps in standing over a dead body. Yeah. And he's yeah. in the south. Oh. Two, <laughs> yeah, it's clear. <laughs> two reliable Quantum Leap tropes right there. Standing over a dead body and in the south. Um, and let's face it, we're about to dive into three episodes in a row that take us even further into you're not in Kansas anymore, Sam, territory, you know? Oh, and, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, these are going to be fun. Yeah. yeah. These are going to be fun episodes to revisit. Uh, they're written by Deborah Pratt. Uh, yep. She creates a new character that she had planned to move forward well after Quantum Leap wrapped up, and we can get in all of the politics about that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Fun times. I, I I remember not understanding these episodes very much when they first aired because they are very adult. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. these are very mature drama type episodes of Quantum Leap, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's a lot of subtext and there's a lot of subtleties. There's also a lot of lack of subtlety, um, but I think that there, it's intricate. There's some intricate plotting at play here, and I and I will admit to when I first watched these episodes, you know, as like an 11 year old kid, not being that into them, but upon rewatching them when I was a little older, just feeling like Deborah Pratt specifically created this wonderful little microcosm for Sam to live in over the course of three episodes, and in some ways, it may be one of the finer moments of the show. I think so. Like this, yeah. this would have been an interesting template of stories that they could have told had they gone on to a six and seven season to setting totally. up this idea of, of multi episode, multi leap stories all tying back to one. Right. One thing. Yeah, I agree. Really interesting. Look at kind of the nature of what quantum leaping and changing things and time traveling could, could be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, but I'm interested in talking about it. Me too. Looking so, forward to anyway, it. Anyway, deliver us from evil. Yeah. Uh, it's in some ways, look, in some ways it is an essential episode of Quantum Leap. There is no getting around it. I think if you're creating a must-watch list of episodes for someone who just wants the, the Cliff Notes version of Quantum Leap, Deliver Us from Evil should absolutely be on there. I think if you're creating these are the best episodes of the series sort of list, I don't think it falls under that. I think I think in some ways it just misses the mark, but I also think the ending takes it so far off the mark that yeah, it doesn't it doesn't get there. I also I think if I were planning a night, if if I wanted to show someone like, hey, I'm going to show you one of the best episodes of my favorite series, and I'm also going to show you proof of when the series jumped the shark. <laughs> Here are these two episodes. Hey, just coincidentally, it's the same 
characters. It's the same setup. It's the same environment. I beautiful, you, uh, beautiful yep. episode. Jump the shark episode. This is where they went in four years. Here you go. Yep. You, you said it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, but let us know uh, your thoughts on the face space and the social meds, as the kids are calling it these days. I don't know. Are they? Are they? <laughs> are they? Are they? Um, but yeah, that's it. So that's, uh, that's Delivers from yeah. Evil. Join us next time. Uh, like I said, because of all of the craziness going on in the world, we're not sure when we're going to record our next episode. Uh, or if we're going to do it as a three-parter or a two-parter or one-parter, we'll, we'll figure that out as we get closer for sure yeah and uh yeah we thank you all for listening continue to stay safe and be well uh we're living in some crazy times some unprecedented times and we hope that we're able to give you you know 90 minutes to, to two hours of enjoyment and escape uh and reliving some of your favorite moments or living for the first time some of your favorite moments of the television show quantum leap so thank you guys very much. Make sure you hit us up. Tell us what you're thinking. Uh, I'll reinforce uh, what I said um, on our uh, David Anthony Marshall episode. In case those of you didn't listen, drop us uh, an audio clip. Send us, uh, yeah. you know, an audio clip of your thoughts. We'll drop it into the show. Yeah. You know, all you need is an iPhone. Just record yourself on an iPhone. Email it to Fate's Wide Wheel Pod at Gmail dot com. Is that right? <laughs> I, I just just shoot us on Messenger. You can shoot us. Just, stuff yeah, shoot us on Facebook Messenger. Just shoot, shoot, shoot us Facebook way. Messenger, or just shoot us a message. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Good seeing you, and we will see you next time. All right. Let's leap out of here. All right. Take care. Bye. See